one more time. I think it'd be good if we lifted our hands, lift our voices with an honest heart. Just tell him how good he is. One more time, every eye closed. Why don't we lift our hands and our voices? God, it's so good to be present again. God, it's so good to be able to feel your hand moving on our hearts today. God, we've come giving all to you today. We've come with open hearts and with open minds ready to receive from you today, ready to give our hearts unto you, ready to bless your holy name. God, we've come according to your will and your purpose. We've come to bless you and we thank you for what we feel in this place today. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. If you're thankful for what you feel, why don't we give him a hand clap of praise one more time. about the Word of God and the presence of God is this is not just some book this is not just some building but it's alive and John 1 says that Jesus is the Word and so even if I was a fantastic preacher or even if we were the best church on the planet and had everything together you can still get more out of this service and what you could get out of the best sermon, the best orchestration of music. Because there's a great lesson to be learned. We can take notes in the Word of God and we can leave with, with great ideas and, and, and understanding that's presented. But there is always, when people are gathered in His glory, there is always something in the Spirit that is to be received. There's something that we can perceive in the Spirit and not in the flesh that will give us spiritual meat that will supply the needs that we've come here today. I am not smart enough to help anybody's needs here today. And as good as these guys sing, they're not good enough to help anybody overcome what we're facing. But there is a living word that is wanting to permeate every heart that's in this place. There is a living spirit of the Lord that is moving in this house, just waiting for an open door of opportunity to heal the wounds and the scars and the unbelief and the fear here today. Do you believe that with me? God's going to help us today. Aren't you thankful that you came to the house of the Lord? Amen. Now, Sunday school, you're dismissed. pulpit um, to be able to preach the word of God that they would trust me. It's a special honor that it's my pastor um, and it's a beautiful thing that I get to stand here and, and try to preach to a whole bunch of people that I truly love. Truly have come to know you and I am so thankful for the body of Christ. I am so thankful for what God is doing in Indian Village. It is a beautiful thing. And what a thing it is to be a part of it. What a great thing it is to be called child of God here in Indian Village. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 4. Start in verse number 10. 
And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom thou wilt send. Verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that uh, he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. For a little while I want to preach about your best investment. If you would, lay your Bibles down and let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so thankful to be in your presence again. God, we are so thankful for the living Word of God and the mercy of God that allows us to perceive your truth here today. Lord, by the authority of your name, we bind anything that would oppose the Word of God, anything that would hinder truth from permeating every heart, God, anything that would hinder it from allowing its perfect Word to pierce the soul and the spirit, the joy and the marrow, to the discerning of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is revelation here today by the authority of the name of Jesus. I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear, anoint our hearts to perceive, our minds to understand, that the seed of God would have its work within our hearts and it would bring forth the fruit that you've designed it for today. We thank you for the work of the Spirit that's here today. In Jesus' name, we say amen together. And you can be seated. Moses, um, in, in this chapter, this is when Moses uh, meets God at the burning bush. And God has just called Moses... Um, to do something very uncomfortable to Moses. And all of us that are in this building, in fact, on this planet, have a call of God upon our life. Uh, before we were formed, the Bible says that He knew us, and that knowledge of us uh, formulated a calling that He had a purpose uh, for us in the kingdom of God. That's why He put breath in our body. There's a purpose that we have for His kingdom. And Moses here is receiving... Um, a, a better revelation of what God had called him to do at the burning bush. Um, he's having this conversation. I kind of jumped in at the end there, but he's kind of in this conversation with the Lord. And God said, you're going to go into Israel, and you're going to say to them and declare to them that the I Am hath sent you, and that I have heard their crying and their murmuring, and, and um, I have mercy on them, and I'm going to deliver them from Egypt, and you're going to be the man that I use, and you're going to go to Pharaoh. And you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he's not going to listen. But with a strong hand, I will deliver Israel out of Egypt. And so we pick up with our text. And Moses um, was not okay with that. Moses, uh, I guess, maybe was a lot like me. I am not like Moses. But Moses, as an introvert, was kind of like me. And I know a few of us in the room. Uh, Moses said, oh, Lord, that's a big task. And I'm, a, I'm not an eloquent man. And the Hebrew says that he, what he said was, I'm not a man of words. I don't talk a lot. <laughs> and when I do talk, I'm stutter, and I can't do it well. I made a C- minus in public speaking. What you're asking me to do is to speak to the most powerful man on the planet and tell him that he's about to lose all of his servants. Jesus, uh, that's just not going to happen with me. 
And the Lord turns to him in verse uh, number 11. He said, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? God is turning back to Moses and says, Didn't I make that mouth? Did I not put those vocal cords in your throat, that lung in your ribs, and that brain in your mind, and, and, and you're telling me that because you almost failed public speaking, that I can't do what I just called you to do? Because you feel inadequate, I am not able to use you as a vessel. I can light this bush on fire and it not burn to the ground, but you're telling me that because you've got a problem talking to people, that I can't use you to do what I just told you I was going to do. And Moses is like, okay, you know, in verse 12, uh, go and therefore and be with thy, well, he said, I'll be with thy mouth and teach thee what thy say. Verse 13, O Lord, sin, I pray thee by the hand who thou wilt sin. In the English, that's kind of like a, a very shy, humble back out. Um, but in the Hebrew, from what I understand, I don't know Hebrew, but from what I understand in the commentary, that was a, um, a rude response, a very crude response that he gave to the Lord. And so no doubt in verse 14, it says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, well, okay, well, then we'll use Aaron instead. Um, Moses' uh, reply to God saying that I, you can't use me, I'm sorry. His decline of the call of God angered the Lord. And what it ended up for Moses, it didn't hurt the Lord. He used somebody else. But Moses missed out on another spiritual position. Moses missed out on an anointing that was designed just for Moses. And I don't, I'm not preaching positions today that we start looking for, for pulpits or for uh, platforms or for places that we can uh, be known of. Man, that's not what I'm talking about, but spiritual positions. There was a spiritual position that Moses missed out on because of his unbelief. Because that he wasn't sure that God can do what he uh, said he can do. And in, and in our lives, there's a lot of times that our spiritual position changes, but the natural has not to change. It hasn't changed yet. There's, there's many positions that we will go in the spirit before we ever do something in the flesh. I think it was First Peter, uh, maybe chapter 5, it says, that, Add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and knowledge to temperance, and temperance kindness, and so on, all the way to charity. There was, there's levels that go on in the inside that no one sees. And if you'll allow that position in the spirit, that position will in due time possibly make us into a different position in the flesh. But what Moses really was missing out on was being used by God for God's kingdom. God's kingdom was still prospered. There was still a church. There was still a deliverance. The Red Sea still got parted. But Moses missed out on something that God was going to do through Moses. The Lord didn't miss out. And he never got that opportunity back. He never returned back to the burning bush. And from then on, it was Aaron's voice that preached deliverance to Pharaoh. It was Aaron's hand that lifted the rod of Moses and, and the plagues came. It was Aaron's lineage that became um, the high priest of Israel for, for the rest of, of that priesthood. And Moses missed out on all of that. And God gave it to Aaron instead. See, there, there's two extremes of, of people, how we respond to the call of God or, or the purpose of God in our life, that, that, that feeling in our heart that, that God is wanting more from me. There's two responses to that. One, two extremes, really. And uh, the one extreme is, is I deserve promotion. I deserve to be used of God. I deserve uh, to, to get recognition. I deserve for pastor to do this in it for me, and, and I'm not being used like I should be here, so I'm going to go somewhere else. That's one extreme. 
Of course, it's incorrect. The other extreme is I'm not capable of being used. I'm not able for God to use me like that. I've done too much. I've sinned too much. I come from the wrong family. I have the wrong childhood. My last name's not correct. And so God cannot use me like that. That's also just as extreme and just as incorrect. What I want to preach to us today is in the middle. That though we may be lacking in, in our humility, or maybe I struggle because I'm an extrovert, not me, but maybe we struggle because we've, we're used to having the best family or, or having the best things that now I've got to humble myself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt me in due time. Or maybe I'm on the other end um, and, I, and I don't feel adequate enough to be used of God. What, what I feel the Lord is trying to draw us to is that though you may have inadequacies and though you may struggle with things that you see in the flesh and though you think your spiritual resume is not up to par, I can use that anyway. I can take you to places in the spirit anyway. What I've designed for you is not predicated on how good you think you are. It has nothing to do with how what your strong suits or your weak points. It has nothing to do with any of that. What I'm calling you is for my purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men are after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confine the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Paul is telling Corinthian, the Corinthian church, he said, look around and look at those men of God that, that are being used right now. Notice they're not the CEO of the billion dollar company. Notice they're not the ones that are rich and famous. They're not the ones that have it all together. They don't have all the degrees behind their names. Notice Peter and Paul and Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were fishermen. Jesus walks up to them in the boat and he said, follow me. And they smelled like fish and sweat. And God said, just follow me. And they came out of the water and they began to be the disciples. And Peter goes on to be the great apostle on the, on the day of Pentecost. And John goes on to be uh, the man that in the, the book of Revelation. And, and James goes on to be the, right in the book of James. And there were great men of God that came out of a fisher's boat. Paul was a tent maker. He said, look around and see these men of God that I've used. They're not men of renown. They're not men that had it all together. They were men that were willing to follow me. And I took what they had, and I took what they didn't have, and I used it for the glory of my kingdom. Amen. Why do we need to do that? Verse 29. Why would God want to use such people? And I've used this here in this pulpit before, but I feel to bring it out again. Verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Why would you call me? Why would you ask me to do something like this? I came from nowhere, from nobody. I don't have the right last name. Why would you ask me, God, to go to Pharaoh, who I think was his uncle at that time or his adopted uncle? Why would you go ask me? He wants to kill me. That family hates me. That's the most powerful man in the world. Why would you ask me, the man with the, with the speech impediment, to go and do that? Why don't you call somebody that's more qualified? He said, because I don't want flesh to glory in my presence. There will not be any flesh.
flesh getting glory when I am finished. When the work is completed in your life, when my kingdom has had its way, there will be no flesh that will be able to stand and take the credit for what I have done. What I'm doing in Indian Village, no flesh will be able to take the credit for it. I've called a bunch of people that feel inadequate, that feel that they're not capable or not able to do what I'm asking them to do. But be assured, what you have is enough because I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to anoint it and I'm going to use it for my purpose and my kingdom and you're going to go forth and my hand's going to be upon it and it'll prosper. And at the end of the day, the flesh won't take the credit, but I'll get the glory. That's why I called Moses. That's why I'm after you, because I know that I'll get the glory when it's done. Verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made, who, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He said, I know that you don't have wisdom, but if you'll be in Christ and, and like he said, I am the, van, the vine and you are the branch. If you'll be in me and I abide in you, then I'll be your wisdom. You don't have the wisdom to be able to preach like that. You don't have the wisdom to be able to teach a Bible study. You don't have the degrees or the experience or the ability in your mind and your speaking ability to do what I'm asking you to do in the Spirit. But I'll be that wisdom for you. I'll be that righteousness for you because truly the word of God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. So when I come unto him, my best day, my best effort, my best intentions, my best motives are never going to be able to stand before him. But he says, if you'll get me, my righteousness will take care of that. And I will give you the righteousness you need to stand before me. That's what Calvary was all about. That we can take upon his name and his righteousness allows us to stand before the glory of God and to be in his presence. And that's why we feel so free in the house of God today because his name is upon us. His blood's been applied and his righteousness allows us into his presence because our righteousness is always inadequate. Our best effort is always not enough. That's why he called us. That's why he said, we're here today in the building. He said, in sanctification, you can't separate yourself. You can't sanctify yourself. Your blood cannot separate you from sin, but mine can. My blood can take you out from among the world. I can call you out from the world, and you can be holy as I am holy because of my sanctification, because of the work of sanctification that I can do in you, because if you submit to me and allow me to change you, I'll take all of that sin, all of those bad habits, all of those things that weigh you down, that keep you up at night, I'll take all of those things, and I'll begin to separate you from the world unto me, that the church, the Bible says, will be a holy habitation, sanctified, reconciled unto him, that I could be a part of of his church that I could be a disciple I could be a part of what he's doing because of his sanctification that draws me unto him I can be used of God because he draws me because he sanctifies me oh I'm thankful for the blood redemption you can't redeem yourself you can't save yourself but I will I know you've fallen. I know you've come short. I know you don't understand all the scriptures. I know that you haven't been in the church for all of your life and you haven't done it perfectly. And I'm talking to every person in the building at this point. I know your inabilities, but I can redeem you. If I be in you. Next verse. 
that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. God's saying, whenever I'm finished with this church, whenever I'm finished with your life, when you've accomplished my purpose, you're not going to walk with your head down. Your flesh is going to be on an altar. Your flesh will be dead. Your own dreams and, and, and desires may not have come to pass like you thought they ought to come to pass. But when I'm finished with you and with your family and with this community, there will be glory. You're going to be singing my praises. You're going to be singing my glory. You're going to be shouting my name. You're going to be praising my ability. You're going to be dancing in my presence. When I'm finished with you, you will not be disappointed. You will not be discouraged. You won't be let down. You won't lack. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. But when I'm finished with what I'm going to do in your life, there will be glory and it will be mine. It will be my glory. It will be my praise. And I'm going to do it. That's something to be encouraged about today. God purposely calls us to do what we're incapable of doing. He purposely, specifically calls us to do things that the flesh is not comfortable with. The things that we don't want to do. I'm not the best example, but I can remember uh, what I did for fun in high school was when I got out of school, maybe I went to the gym, and then I went home by myself, got on my folder to the back of our, our property there, and I had a hammock and a little fireplace, and I sat there by myself until it was time to go eat supper. and didn't talk to anybody and just sat there all alone because I didn't want to talk to anybody. And then in church, I would sit on the second pew by myself. My parents would sit to the side on the other end of the pew. And all alone, I would sit there and watch the preacher. And I would ask God, Lord, you know who I am. (laughs) And so, God, I will do anything you want me to do. And then I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 at that point. And with honesty, purity, God, I really want to please you. I really want to go wherever you want me to go. Just don't ever ask me to get on that platform. (laughs) God, I mean it. I want to do whatever makes you happy. Don't ever give me a microphone. If you don't learn anything today, just learn. Don't ever pray that. Because here I am. There's a reason God is asking you and pulling you in that direction. It's because you're not able to do it without Him. You can't succeed without Him. There is a little bit of truth of that lie that the enemy is telling you. He's beating you over the head with it, but what he's saying is you're not able to talk like that. You're not able to give that Bible study. You just got in church two years ago. You can't teach somebody else about the gospel. You barely understand the the definition of repentance. You can't do that. And the truth be known is I still can't do that. But that's why God called me to do it. Because he said, if you get in the spirit, in the flesh you're going to fail. In the flesh you're going to fall short. But if you'll be in me and I in you, when you open your mouth. He said, Moses, I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you the words to say. I'll give you the anointing you're going to need. You're going to stand up and that spirit of boldness is going to come upon you. Spirit of the Lord is going to clothe you and you're going to walk in the spirit and I'm going to use you. And at the end of the day, I'm going to get all the glory. That's why I'm calling you. He can call anybody he wants, but he called me and you instead. My righteousness will never be enough. 
my integrity, my best motives, my church attendance record, my, my, my best intentions will never be enough to accomplish what God wants. Because what God wants is in the spirit and in the flesh I'll always fail. My hand will always be too weak. But his hand is never slack concerning his people. His arm is never sharp concerning his people. So if I will abide in him and confide in his word and confide in his desire and know that I am called according to his purpose, then I have success. He will be the rock for us to fall on. Because the truth is, I can't humble myself. The scripture says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he may exalt you. But truthfully, in the flesh, I cannot humble myself. This flesh is too hungry. This flesh is too prideful. And I'm not able to bring myself to the place where I can please God. But he said, I'll be the rock, Christ. I will be the rock upon which you can fall. And he said, if any man will fall on me, the rock, he shall be broken. But if he forces me, the rock, to fall on him, he shall be ground to powder. So he said, I'll supply literally anything you need, whether it's humility, whether it's encouragement, whether it's boldness, whether it's strength, whether it's revelation or understanding or perception in the spirit. I will be all of those things if you will rely on me. I'll give you the words to say. First, Second Timothy chapter 1. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He's saying to Timothy, that calling that he saved us with is a holy calling. If you look back at our text, Moses is standing, listening, that call, having that conversation with God, barefooted. Because Jesus said, the bush, God from the bush said, uh, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. And out of the holiness of God, he called Moses for his purpose. That call, that, that drawing in the spirit, is not a circumstance of life. It's not pastor's voice trying to, to make me do something so that the church can get better. It, it's not my own flesh because my flesh is not going to tell me to teach a Bible study. My flesh is not going to tell me to pray with more fervency. It's a holy calling. He said, my name's at the bottom of that calling. That's my signature. That calling is out of the holiness of God. So for me to reject it is to reject his voice out of his holiness. That's why verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Because you're, what you're rejecting is not yourself. You're not rejecting me out of humility. What you're rejecting is my holiness. What you're rejecting is my voice trying to save you and trying to fulfill my purpose for the kingdom. That's the call that you're turning down here today, Moses. It's a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Our works will never be enough. Our purpose is not why we're called, because our purpose is to fulfill his purpose. 
He has called us according to what He desires. He put breath in our body because He has a desire for me and you to please Him. And none of us are disqualified from that today. Whether this is your first time ever in a church building or whether this you've been in here for a hundred years, you have a purpose in the Lord today. And God has called you according to His purpose that He wants you to fulfill whatever it is that He's desiring. If there's still breath in our bodies today, it's because there is still purpose on our life. God would not waste his blood. He would not waste his anointing. He would not waste his time or his purpose upon someone that was out of options. If me and you are still here, the Spirit of the Lord is still bearing witness to us, saying that there's more, that you can still come closer, that you can still understand more, you can go further, you can pray with diligence and passion, you can have understanding. There's so much more. God is an infinite God who could know the depths of His Spirit, who could ever understand how far He goes. He's calling us further. He's calling us deeper. He's got so much more. God just gets sweeter. His grace called according to our own purpose and grace. For those of us that you feel that you are not from the right family, that you don't have enough of what it takes, that you don't maybe have time, please let me introduce you to the amazing grace of God. You are not able on your own, but there is grace which is supernatural supervision, supernatural strength that will be given unto us freely. Grace is a gift that He gives unto us to be able to fulfill His desire. Where we lack, He will supply according to His purpose and His grace. So if you don't have it all together, you're perfectly in the right spot for God to use you because God has a place to put His grace. Where we're lacking in our hearts, where we're lacking in our ability, that gap in our understanding, that's where His grace fits. That's where His desire fits. That's where His anointing goes. Where we're lacking in our own ability, that's where God puts His hand. Oh, I wish somebody believed me in this place. You're called for a purpose. We get our grace given to us when we invest ourselves into his kingdom. That's why the title today is your best investment. Your best investment is everything you have given unto his kingdom. He said, if you give unto me, I will give unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What you give, I will always outgive. The only time that he ever said, try me and see, was when he was talking about giving. He said, if you give me, try me and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you couldn't even contain. To try me and see if you don't give me all of your time and your energy and your forgiveness and your money and your love and your focus. Try me and see if you don't involve all of your mind and all of your heart into my kingdom and see if I don't give back to you more than what you ever thought you could handle. 
What you're lacking now, God is going to supply it if we just give what we have. He told the lady, he said, what do you have? Just a little oil in a vessel. He said, then go and borrow all those vessels from your neighbors. Get every vessel you can get and start pouring out into it. And she poured and poured until every vessel she had was full. And then she went back and looked in that same vessel she started with had just as much anointing oil as it had in the beginning. You cannot lose investing in the kingdom of God. You can invest in the stock market. You can invest in real estate if you want. But what I can promise you is you will always get a return on your investment when you invest yourself into the kingdom of God. When you give everything you have, God's going to give that back and he's going to give just as much more. Try me and see. I'm not just preaching money today. That's everything we have. He said, I'm a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. That's a promise from the infallible word of God that is forever settled in heaven. There is nothing in existence that could ever change that truth. That if I will diligently seek him, that he will reward. If I don't seek him, there's a good chance there will be no reward. If I kind of seek him with his convenient, there's a good chance there won't be a reward or I might lose some of my investment. But if I will diligently seek his kingdom and give everything that I have to his purpose, no matter how inadequate I feel, he will supply. will reward them that diligently seek me. I'm going to give back whatever you pour out unto me. You see, God hires much different than the world does. The world says, show me your resume and line up, and I want to see who's most capable, who's got the most experience, who's got the best ability, who's got the best resume. But God says, I want to see your resume because if you're too qualified, I don't want you. If you're too able, I'm not going to use you. If you're too strong in that area, I'm going to call you to another area because I've got to have room for my grace and my anointing. I've got to have room for my hand because at the end of the day, I'm going to get the glory. There's a condemnation resting on somebody and you can't hear what I'm saying. Oh, the devil's held you a bill of goods. That is a lie. You've already said, I've got the Holy Ghost or, or I'm not even that far. I've made it into the building today. And because I've been so wrong, because I've messed up so much, because I've gone so far, the best thing that God could ever do me was keep me on this pew. The farthest I'll ever go in the kingdom of God, if I'm lucky, is stay in these walls and merely make it to heaven. That's a lie from hell. You've got no Bible for that. You have no scripture for that. If you still have a brain... If you have breath in your lungs, then you've got everything you need to prosper for his kingdom. 
Moses was a murderer of the church. Uh, Paul was a murderer of the church. Paul went and destroyed churches, killed saints of God. And God called him and anointed him as one of the greatest apostles to ever walk the planet. And he preached to the same people that he killed their family. And I'm saying, and you're saying that God can't use me? That's not the problem. The problem's this flesh. The problem is me not wanting to invest. The problem is me wanting to hold on to what I know is good, to what I know is comfortable, to what I know is right. And I really wanted to stay upbeat today, and I did not want to step on anybody's toes. But I'm telling you, the problem is not the enemy. The problem is not our past. It's not our childhood. It's this flesh. The problem is my mentality that says that that costs too much. That's too great of a price. That's too much prayer. He's preaching too hard. That's too much of a sacrifice. I can't do it. And that's a lie from hell and it's a lie from the flesh. Because he said, whatever you invest in my kingdom, I'm going to give it. Press down, shake it together, and running over. Whatever time you give me, I'm going to give you more time. Whatever effort you give me, I'm going to give you more strength. Whatever money you give me, I'm going to give you more money. Just try me and see. He said, no flesh shall glory in my presence. So if I want his presence, and I believe that there's quite a few of us in this place that are hungry for Jesus. We're just looking for direction and for understanding of how to get there. And I just need his help to subdue this flesh so I can get to where I know and what I've seen and what I've tasted. That's in every heart I believe. But if I want to go into his presence, the word of God says that I'm going to have to leave my flesh behind. That in order for me to have his presence, I cannot have flesh. I'm going to be robed in this flesh. This flesh is going to get up every day. But as we know, Paul said that I die daily. Jesus said, if any man, I gave you that scripture. I don't remember what scripture it was. Um, Matthew 16, if any man will follow me, let him first pick up his cross and follow me. If any man will be my disciple, let him pick up his cross and follow me. If you want to please me, the only thing that you need is a cross. If you want to align with me, if you want to succeed in my kingdom, the only thing that you need is an altar in your life. If you want my presence, the only thing you need is a cross. Musicians, you can come. <laughs> I don't need your pedigree. I don't need your last name. I don't need your intellect. I don't need your strength. I don't need your ability. I don't need your heritage. I don't care how long it's been since you've prayed. All I need from you is for you to have a cross on your back. And if you will do that, I will take care of the rest. If you will leave that flesh on an altar every single day, I'll take you closer to me every single day. If you want my presence, all it's going to cost you is every everything you've got and I'm going to give it more abundantly 
I will supply every need according to my riches and glory. Because there's not enough money in the world. There's not enough talent in the world. There's not enough strength or ingenuity. There aren't enough engineers in the world to make up what God is wanting to do in this end time. There's nothing that the world can replicate that will come anything close to what God wants to do. He said, if you'll just take me and leave all that other stuff behind, I will make a way. You think Southwest Louisiana is too big for Indian Village? He said, I'm seated in the heavens. The earth is my footstool. It is too big for 150 people maybe, but it's not too big for my kingdom. It's not too big for my glory. It's not too much for my ability. If I called you, go. He said, Moses, I'm calling you forth and I'll be with your mouth. If you want revival, it's yours. If you want something to happen in your family, it's yours. All it's going to take is a cross. (laughs) Judges chapter 6. And you can stand. I'm finished. Judges 6, verse 11 through 12. And there came an angel of the Lord... And Saddle and Oak, which was in Orpha, pertained to Joash and uh, uh, the Abysrite. And the son of Gideon threshed by the wheat, by the winepress, to hide it from Midianites. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord, I mean the angel, sorry, don't with anger. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Gideon's hiding in the wine press from his enemies and the angel of the Lord shows up and says you're a mighty man of valor I could imagine it's not written down but I could imagine somewhere in his brain Gideon said you got the wrong fella don't you see I'm hiding back here who do you think I am some mighty man of valor if I was a mighty man of valor I'd be with a sword and a shield on the front lines right now He said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And I've called you to deliver my people Israel from the Midianites. So if you'll just obey my word and do exactly what I'm telling you to do, there will be great victory, you mighty man of valor. Verse, chapter 7, verse number 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, That people that are with thee, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. You've got too many Israelites. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me saying, mine own hand has saved me. So he says, you tell Israel, there were 32,000 Israelites at that time. He said, you ask them who's afraid and you tell them to go home. And 22,000 people left. And then he says, you tell them to go to the river. And those people that put their face in the water, you tell them to go home. And then there were 300 left. And the Bible says there were more Midianites than one man could count. They were like grasshoppers in a field, the Bible says. But 300 men that didn't have a single sword, that didn't have a single shield, all they had was pots and lamps. They obeyed the word of God, and God defeated their enemy that they couldn't even count with 300 men. 
He said, there's too many Israelites. Send them home because at the end of the day, they'll say that it was their hand that saved him. But I want Israel to know, and all the world's going to know, that when I'm finished, they will know that it was the hand of the Lord. They will know that it was by His strength. Even those even those that don't believe this truth, even those that never walk into this church, they're going to look back on what happened in Indian Village, and they're going to say, it couldn't have been what those people did. I know those people. I went to school with those people. They couldn't talk. That man couldn't preach. That lady couldn't teach a Bible study. I was in the bar with her. There's no way she's hands on the sick and they're recovering. There's no way that her family got saved. They didn't even talk to each other. But when God is finished with what he said he's going to do, the world will look in on it and say it must have been the hand of the Lord. (laughs) If you're ready to make an investment here today, I'd invite you to the front. This altar here today is a place where we can invest ourselves. And as they continue to sing, I challenge every person that's ready to make an investment here right now. This is only where it starts and never where it stops. But what could happen in this place today is the Lord can take what little we have to offer and He will make it abundant. My little bit of ability, my little bit of knowledge, give that to Him right now. My little bit of time, my little bit of effort, my little bit of understanding. If I lay it before His feet right now, God will take it and He will bless it and He'll multiply it. that can make right now that God I'm making up in my mind that I'm going to do whatever it takes I don't care how much it costs me I want to please you I give everything that I am for the sake of your 